And how did y'all like Bobby's solo down on the front there? I was giving him the words, and he was singing them right there, learning a song on the spot, man. It was awesome. He's just amazing. <laughs> Tell you one thing about Bobby Wilkinson. I love his heart for Jesus. As long as I've known you, brother, you have been totally fired up for Christ, and I love that. And uh, I, I'm really thankful for you. When I got saved, this guy right here led me to Christ. I was lost as a goose, and Tony came in, and Roger Hardy led me to Jesus at a real crisis time of my life. And uh, it wasn't long after that I came, and I started meeting all these folks from Calvary. Bobby was one of them. Roger was one. We used to joke about going on the road, didn't we? Said, they said, you go get your training. You, you called, called a guy to preach. We'll go on the road with you. We'll call it the, he wanted to call it the, they argued a little bit. <clears throat> we didn't even have the group for them. They had an argument. Whether it's going to be the Bob and Rod show or the, or the Raj and Bob show. <laughs> now, I'm joking about that totally. But uh, I am really, really overjoyed to be here. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel according to Mark. The Gospel according to Mark, just chapter 1, verse 1. While you're turning to Mark 1, isn't it great to see people getting baptized? Always excites me. Uh, tonight, another, that's a mark of a healthy church that people are getting baptized. Uh, tonight is another mark of a healthy church. We're going to be licensing a special moment in the life of uh, Troy Allison. His parents, um, Donnie and Lynn Allison, are just great friends and have just been faithful to Christ for so long in Calvary Baptist. And we thank the Lord for you guys. Looking forward to that time tonight. It's going to be going to be really, really good and affirming time. There are several steps in the ordination process. First, you get the call of God. Second, then the church gives a licensing. And then if they continue to function well and do well, uh, then the church will eventually uh, ordain uh, him as a minister. And so this is his first real big step. Now, he's already been in Bible college and done a lot of things. So I'm privileged that I'm being able to do that. And that's going to be great. Uh, I will be away this coming week. Be aware of that. Uh, <laughs> Tony, you're going to have a hard week. You know that, don't you? Me and Wanda both are going to be gone this week. We're not going together, but um, <laughs> just, just want to be clear. Just want to be clear. Just want to be clear. My wife and I, hey, honey, wave your hand. <laughs> We're going to the beach. That is Kim and Jack. And I don't know where Wanda and Gary are going, but they're going somewhere. So if you have a pastoral emergency this week, uh, please call Tony. You can get his voicemail. Call him on the uh, on his cell phone or whatever. Um, otherwise, we'll help you when we get back. Bob Lohman will be preaching next Sunday. Did you get that? All right. So Bob Lohman will be here. He's a good guy. He loves the Lord. He's our associational director. I want you to come and give him a good ear, and I want you to listen to him just as if I were preaching. Maybe even better. All right. Um, Mark chapter one. I was going to mention VBS, but I'm not. Be here and work hard. We'll see a lot more kids saved. That's the effect of it, right? Amen. All right, so Mark chapter 1. I want to talk to you today about baptism. Uh, you've seen it, but do you know baptism is vitally important? It, it is vitally important. If you think about it, Jesus began his ministry with baptism. He really did. Now, how, and we're going to read about it, but how did Jesus conclude his ministry? He commenced his ministry with baptism. Well, you know how he concludes his ministry here on this earth, his earthly ministry? He commanded all of us to do what Bobby said, go out into this world and to make disciples and what? 
baptized them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus both commenced and concluded his earthly ministry by putting an emphasis on baptism. He had an earthly ministry now of only about three and one half years. So think about that. Of all the things that Jesus could have talked about and emphasized, think of the tremendous emphasis Jesus placed on baptism. And I submit to you that whatever Jesus so emphasized, we dare not de-emphasize. Amen? Now, let's see what the Bible has to say about the baptism of our Lord Jesus. Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for, now you ought to circle that little word for there, because it doesn't mean for, in, it doesn't mean in order to have your sins forgiven. When it says repentance for the remission of sins, it's a little Greek word, E-I-S, ice, and it literally means because of. It literally means because of. You ever heard them? You ever heard them? They use the word the same way we do. You ever heard somebody say, a man stole for hunger? Huh? You ever heard that? Something like that? I leapt, I leapt. What did he steal in order to get hungry? No. Why did he steal? Because he was hungry. That's the way this word's used. It's also the way it's used in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. People. Just slow down, read the Bible, study the original languages a little bit. Lots of help to do that. Wouldn't be all this confusion. You don't get baptized in order to get saved. You get baptized, you get baptized because your sins have been forgiven. So he came preaching a baptism of repentance for or because of the remission of sins. Verse 5. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him, and they were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, doing what? confessing their sins. So they would confess their sins and then they would be baptized. Do you see it now? It's plain as the nose on your face. Look at verse 6. Now John was clothed. <laughs> John was a unique character. John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather, leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now listen to me. John ate honey, but he didn't preach honey. <laughs> he preached saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to even stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We know another gospel writer tells us, he not only said that, but he said he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Meaning either you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit brought into the body of Christ, or you will be baptized in a judgment of fire. Look at verse 9. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. Doesn't say from the Jordan, it says in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he went down into the water, so he had to come up out of the water. He saw the heavens parting. Miraculous thing, the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And then a voice comes from heaven. And said, you are my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Incredible picture of the Father speaking from heaven. This is the Trinity right here. 
You say, where, where did all that Trinity stuff come from? It comes right out of the Bible. You have the Father in heaven speaking, that you are my Son, and whom Holy Spirit's descending in the form of a dove, and the Son's in the water. Right there. Now that's it, plain as day. A voice comes from heaven, you are my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Three things, very quickly, I want you to notice about the baptism of the Lord Jesus. All three of them will apply to what we've seen today, Christian baptism, or what could even better be described as believer's baptism. Number one, write it down, preparation for baptism. Preparation for baptism. Well, who is prepared to be baptized? How do you prepare yourself for baptism? I mean, what is the prerequisite for baptism, for to be baptized biblically because a lot of people debate about do you do it this way do you do it that way what way well if you look at chapter one that we just read look at verses one through four i'm going to read it with a little different emphasis on it notice what mark is the beginning of the what the gospel the gospel means good news by the way amen good news by the way and that's what we need to be proclaiming in our country we need to be proclaiming this is great news, just like Bobby did. This is great news. And what we need are a lot more preachers who are just newsboys delivering the good, boy, uh, the good news and see ourselves as, as uh, delivery boys rather than trying to be editors. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. Now underline this, who will prepare. Do you see the word prepare? who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in a wilderness. John was out crying in the wilderness. And what was he saying? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And then Mark's explain, Mark explains who did this. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for or because of the remission of sins. Now, if you don't understand the culture, you won't get this. So just hang in there with me for a moment because here's what it is. In the old days when a king, an eastern monarch, would prepare to leave the palace and go out and visit a particular city, a particular reason, they didn't have roads like we have, nice paved roads. What, they didn't want him to be inconvenienced. They would know he would send a messenger way ahead of time, and they would say what? Prepare the road. Prepare the road to the city. And so what they would do is they would go out and they would build a special road for the king. They'd take that road that was for you and I and beat all to death and just worn out and had big potholes in it. And you know what they'd do? They'd fill in all the low places. And they would level off the high places. And they would straighten out the crooked places. So this eastern king could have an easy journey. Just come right into the center of the city. And John was saying, and the imagery is, that you and I had better prepare like that for the coming of our Lord. You see, our Lord is going to come like that into the deserts of our lives, uh, the crooked places of our lives, uh, the low places of our lives. And we need to make, in our lives, a road for royalty. We need to prepare the way for the Lord to come into our lives and work. Well, you and I need, though, how do we do that? We need a bulldozer in a sense, a bulldozer that will straighten things out. Make things ready for the coming of the Lord in our lives. That, that bulldozer, we're going to learn from this passage, is, is a Bible word, but it's a good concept. It's repentance. Repentance. Well, you say, what does repentance do? Well, you know what repentance will do? It'll bring down mountains of pride. You know what repentance does? Fills up 
valleys of failure. What does repentance do? Straightens out crooked places of deceit. Repentance in the life of an individual makes, makes a road, a, a clear pathway that is a road through which the Lord can come into the wilderness and parched desert of our lives and bring His renewing, kingly, reviving, life-giving power into our lives. And what John was saying is that baptism is an outward sign, a picture that you've done that, that you have repented. The people came to him, they confessed their sins, and, and they were baptized. In fact, if we were to read all of the Gospels, we would find that some people came to John and said, hey, 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 because everybody's doing it, hey, 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 baptize me. And you, and you know what John said? No, 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 you're not getting baptized. You're not getting baptized. You go away and you do works that will show that you have repented. Repentance is not works. Repentance is a change of mind. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he was saying, your heart, your mind hasn't changed yet. You Pharisees, go away and do works that will show that you have repented. Then I'll baptize you. And, and so what, what John is saying is when, once people had repented, he would baptize them. Now, if you haven't repented, we're talking about preparing for baptism. If you haven't repented, there's no business being baptized, okay? I mean, you see, it's plain. And the preparation for baptism is repentance. Incidentally, in the life and mind of, of, of Christians, uh, repentance is not something that's just incidental. You study about it, and, and it's over. No, 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 it's not incidental. It's fundamental. It's foundational. John preached repent. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said a true Christian repents, that is, changes their mind about their evil ways, their sinful ways every sin. He said a, a, true, print, uh, a true Christian repents every day. Amen? If, if I repent of the way I felt about a certain behavior, about a lustful thinking or about uh, bad attitude with people or using profanity or whatever, if I repent of it today, guess what i got to do when I get up tomorrow? Do it again. John preached repent. What did Jesus preach? Jesus preached repentance. You just uh, look down at verse 14 and you'll see it. Uh, now after that, it says, I think, where is it? Uh, yeah, verse 14. Now after that, John was put in prison and Jesus came to Galilee and he did what? He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he, what did he say in verse 15? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Do what? Repent and believe in the gospel. You see it? When Jesus preached, he preached the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God's here. Repent, believe the gospel. And that's it, folks. Repentance and faith. I mean, repent and believe the gospel. Change your mind about the way you've been living and and believe the gospel. It's good news. You can be saved. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now that's a pretty strong message, isn't it? Repent or perish. Repent or perish. Repent or perish. So, so listen, that's not incidental, is it? That's foundational. I mean, you got to get this. Repentance and faith. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. 
the, the, what is repentance? We're going we're gonna to talk about it, okay? And the Greek word for repentance is a word metanoia. Metanoia, uh, doing with knowledge and to change. We talk about meta for change. You know, you ever heard of an animal going through an insect, going through a metamorphosis? That's the idea. It changes from a caterpillar to a butterfly. But this is metanoia, doing with knowledge. So it's to change, it is to transform your thinking. It involves several things if you talk about repentance. Number one, it involves a conviction of sin. A conviction of sin. Um, and by the way, nobody is going to repent, first of all, until we're ever convicted of our sin. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God, I mean, if we don't know it's wrong, if we don't sense that it's wrong, why would we change our mind about it? But that's what the Holy Spirit of God does. He convicts us of our sin. Not just what you've done wrong, not just what you've done wrong, now hear me, but that you are wrong. That I am wrong. So there has to be like a conviction of sin. When I say a conviction, it's just a deep gnawing it's the holy spirit's job to convict us when we sin you know somebody said to me recently you know it's not long after i sin you know god will convict me listen most of the time this is the truth and i told him god usually convicts me before i sin <laughs> i mean usually i know i'm not supposed to do that god's spirit constantly not not condemning not condemning, but convicting us. Not condemning. Not saying, you are no good. You are worthless. That's, that's not the Holy Spirit of God. You're, you're, you have great worth. But he'll say, what you just did to Kim Holmesley was wrong. Your attitude towards her was wrong. You know how to tell if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's just your flesh, just your mind. You're just beating yourself up with guilt. You know one way to tell the difference if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's Satan? just trying to make you feel guilty. I'll tell you how Satan will condemn you as a person. He'll say, Jack, you're a lousy Christian. Some kind of Christian pastor you are. Treat your wife like that. You're no good. And it's just guilt and condemnation. But the Holy Spirit won't do that. And even I'll do that to me. I'll say, man, I'm some kind of preacher. You know, boy, uh, what a failure. But God's Spirit never says that. God's Spirit, boy, he will put his finger right on it and say you are the man but he'll say this jack the way you treated her was wrong he will address the action the performance rather than the person do you see the difference what you did was wrong not just you are so terrible you're no good that's that's never the spirit of god when it's really really personalized like that and it's condemning and i'll tell you another way to discern the two is this the Holy Spirit convicting me, or is it conscience condemning me, or Satan condemning me? I'll tell you another way. God's Spirit will, will speak right to the action, but I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll always draw you back to the cross. He'll say, you were wrong, and your attitude towards her, now you go make it right. Amen? Boy, the devil will never tell you that one. You know what he'll say? You dirty, rotten, no good. You, you are some kind of preacher. But you know, anyway, just think about the way she treated you. Go get even. Go tell her. So that's never the Spirit of God. That's never the Spirit of God. 
that's the flesh, that's just our wanting to get even, that's just our sense of comeuppance, but God's Spirit will say, you did wrong, now go make it right. That's conviction of sin, to be convicted of sin. But there must not also be only conviction of sin for repentance to take place. There has to be what we call confession of sin. Notice it said John was baptizing people and they were confessing their sins. The Bible says this, and I'm just hurrying. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesses and forsakes his sin shall have mercy. I mean, I don't know why it is. We think if we confess our sins and, 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 and open up about it, that we'll get judged. And that's what Scripture says. No, that's the opposite. If you just humbly come, humbly come to people and say, listen, I just messed up. It was me. It's not anybody else. I'm not claiming any excuses. You know what they'll generally say? That's all right. Let's work out a, let's work out a plan for it. Let's help. Let's get through it. Whosoever covers his sin, though, is the one that doesn't prosper. Have you ever tried to hide a grievous sin? Hmm? That's something that you thought only you knew about? <laughs> Doesn't work. We have to be willing outwardly and openly just to open up and say, God, I lay my rotten pride in the dust, and it's me, God. It's me. It's not, it's not her. It's not them. It's, not, it, it's me that's standing in the need of prayer. You know what? So many of us in America today, we want to be peacocks just strutting into heaven. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. There must be confession of sin, confessing it. And by the way, you will never be willing, you will never be saved unless you're willing not only to admit Jesus' lordship, but your sinnership. So there has to be conviction of sin, repentance is this. It's, it's conviction of sin, it's confession of sin, and then there's more to it, true repentance. It's called contrition of sin. Do you know what it means, contrition? To have a contrite heart, a brokenness, a brokenness for your sin. The Bible quotes the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians saying, Godly sorrow, godly sorrow produces repentance. Now there's a difference in godly sorrow and just earthly sorrow. And the Bible makes that distinction. You know, it's not just being sorry that we sinned. It's, it's, it's not just being sorry that we suffered. I mean, you go out and you do something illegal and you get caught and you go to jail and you're, you're sorry because you got caught. Now that's not what we're talking about. That's not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow says, God, I am sorry. Because I didn't only break your law, I broke your heart. I broke your heart. By the way, I mean, I don't know how many of you, I, I started to use the word, it's so funny now what you can and can't say, but when we grew up, we got whippings. We didn't get tied to a tree and lashed, but we got whooping. We, down south, we called it a whooping, right? Mom would make us go out and get a branch, and she would tear our tails up. Most times, we needed them. My daddy... I swear he was quick as gleased lightning. He could grab my left arm and take his belt off in one deal. And I'd be running and screaming, no, Daddy, Daddy. You know what I'd be hollering the whole time? I'm sorry, Daddy, I'm sorry, please don't. You know, and you're trying to tuck that honey in and run around. You know. and, and now listen, to you young folks, this will be worth the price of admission right here. That's one truth. 
Because I didn't realize that when I was running, he had me by the left wrist, and he was, boy, he'd get that thing off. And, and I was running, I was actually putting more distance between his right hand and my behind. And so what I learned was, later on, what you do, don't run from him. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't sorry. I was just sorry about getting my tail tore up. <laughs> and so what I learned was, eventually, don't run like that. Run to him. Run to him. Put your arms around his legs. Get real close to him and say, Daddy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm really sorry. <laughs> now, I was mostly sorry because, but you know, when you got a kid hanging on to you and one running from you, that's two different things, right? But that's what you can do. You can run to your heavenly father and get real close to him. And he doesn't want to whip you or spank you. He's a perfect father. He wants to love you and take you up in his arms. When you finally are broken about, God, I not only broke your law, I broke your heart. That's what repentance is. When we see that we've not only broken God's laws, but we've broken God's heart. That's godly sorrow there's a conviction of sin there's the confession of sin there's a contrition or a brokenness a sorrow for sin and then finally a conversion from sin a conversion from sin I told you a little bit earlier alluded to it but the word repentance literally means a change but it doesn't we always think it's a change of actions repent which means stop doing that it includes that somewhat, but it, but it really means a change of mind. And I showed you earlier where Jesus said, you haven't repented. I mean, John said to the Pharisees, you haven't repented. Go and do works that will show that you have repented. So the works were not the repentance. Do you see it? It means a change of mind. <laughs> Some of you, old as me, you'll remember if you've been a Christian any time, there was an ex-athlete, a baseball player. Uh, who became a preacher. His name was Billy Sunday. He was a mighty evangelist. Did all kinds of crazy stuff. And he used to do acrobatics, literally on the stage. And he would illustrate repentance this way. He would say, <laughs> he would be going this way, just going right up. He'd say, now, like, so like, like, I need a bigger stage here. He'd be saying, you know, uh, repentance is if I'm sinning and I'm going this way. And then he would literally, as he's walking, do a backflip. And land on his feet and say, now I'm going the other way. Now, y'all want to see me do one? No, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> but that's what he'd say. I'm going this way. I'm in my own way. I'm in my own mind. And then he'd, he'd say, I repent. And he'd do a literal backflip, land on his feet, and, and, and flip and go back that way. Now, don't ever expect me to do that. But... Repentance is a turning around of one's mind about sin, about self, about Satan, about salvation, about who Jesus is. Where we change our mind concerning all of these things. It doesn't necessarily mean that we just immediately stop doing our actions because you won't have the power to stop the actions until you change your mind. Until your mind changes about the sinfulness of your actions. Now, have you done that? 
I don't mean if you've gotten rid of your sin, so God will save you. No, I want to be clear on what repentance is. You can't get rid of your sin until you get saved, because the biggest sin you have is your rejection of Jesus Christ. You could quit drinking and smoking and cussing and chewing and dating girls that do, but you're not going to be, you're not, the biggest sin you and I have is our refusal to bow our knee to Jesus. You can live a perfectly moral life as far as we can see and still die and go to hell. So I'm not saying clean up your life and God will save you. Because if you could clean up your life, you wouldn't need to be saved. But I am saying there must be a mental change of mind that says, I am sick and tired of this. I am wrong, and I have done wrong. I cannot save myself. I can change my mind, though, and I can turn to Him as my Savior. Whereas I've rejected Him in the past, I, I now receive Him. If you haven't done that, your baptism was invalid. You're not prepared. You weren't prepared. You did not prepare your heart for baptism. You repent and you believe the gospel. That's what Jesus said, right? Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. See, gospel. See, repentance and faith are, are really, <laughs> they're like twin heads of the same coin. They really are. When the Bible says have faith, it implies that you will have repented. It infers repentance. And when the Bible says repent, it, it infers faith. You turn from your sin, you turn where? To God. And when you turn to God, you turn from your sin. Do you see it? And, and so that's the reason that when you read the Bible, repentance and faith are so closely linked. And, why, and people get confused about this. Well, hey, you know, you don't preach enough on repentance. Well, you just preach that easy believism stuff. But the Bible never really, the Bible just sees them both as inextricably bound together in the plan of salvation. Repentance. Faith in Jesus. Why haven't some of us done that? Why haven't we repented of our sin and turned to Christ? I was thinking about baptisms this morning. I remember a lady in our church, I think she was 82. Her name was Miss Louise. 82 years old, Miss Louise had accepted Jesus. But she had never been baptized for whatever reason, and never been baptized by immersion. Now, she came to me one day. She was from a staunch Presbyterian family. But she came to me, and she said, Pastor, I want to be baptized by immersion before I die. I said, Miss Louise, I don't know a godlier woman than you. I really didn't. She said, yeah, but I've never been baptized. I've always had this excuse or that excuse. I don't want to get my hair wet. I don't want to do this. You know, I, I, just, I just never have, and I want to. Pastor, I want to be baptized by immersion. She said, I was sprinkled when I was a kid in the Presbyterian church, but I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I'll never forget because her whole family went to a little church up there that had been up in Hunterville for years, Rama Presbyterian Church. Historic old building. She said, someone asked her, what do you think your family members are going to say about you getting baptized in a Baptist church? You know what she said? That 82-year-old saint said, I don't care what they say. I'm not ashamed to say that I've been saved. And on a particular Sunday, at a particular time, 
that very elderly 82-year-old woman, dignified, elderly saint with all kinds of ailments and aching bones. In fact, she'd been in a hospital about a month before, walked down into the waters of baptism, just like you saw these people to do today, and she gloriously and proudly proclaimed that she had trusted Jesus. What did she do? She changed her mind on that issue, and she said, it's time for me to be obedient. You say, well, pastor, why all that trouble about baptism? Well, listen, it wasn't any trouble. <laughs> that was a privilege for her. I tell you, people started getting baptized, and they get put up their excuses. They change their mind. You know what we say? I talked about it when we go down into baptistry. We're saying, I believe Jesus died for me, and therefore the old me, I'm ready to die with him. And when he was buried, I was buried. When I arose, he arose. Hallelujah, I arose. I am buried with Christ, and I am risen with Christ Jesus. You know what the Bible really teaches? Is the real profession of faith. We talk about it all the time, don't we? Make a profession of faith. You know what the real profession of faith in the New Testament is? It is not getting up and walking down the aisle and taking a preacher's hand. It's really not. You know what it is in the New Testament? It's not just saying, I believe in Jesus. Not at all. It's baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, but it is a public statement of faith that says, I have put my faith in Christ. And in the New Testament, honestly, if you read it, and you and I came up in the New Testament with one of those disciples and said, I believe in Jesus, I trusted Jesus today, they'd say, get in the water. If you say, well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah you know, my, my family, yeah, yeah, I don't know what they're going to think. Listen, to be baptized meant that you were ostracized from everything in Jewish culture. You're kicked out of the family. They typically have a funeral for you because you changed your mind. You were identifying now with Christ, and whereas you used to reject Christ, now you're receiving Christ. And, 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 and so they would just simply say, you believe in Jesus? Yes. Get in the water. And they got in the water. They said, that's a true believer. Why? Because they were identifying with now with the family of God and as a believer in Jesus Christ. That's the biblical profession of faith in Christ. That's what these people were doing today. They were saying, I have identified with the Lord Jesus Christ by a burial beneath the water and a coming up, a resurrection out of that water. It's a way of saying, I am no longer ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, some of you have all kinds of excuses. Some of you have never believed, and you need to be saved. The gospel is great news. It's great news. Jesus will and can and will help you. Some of you have been saved, but you've never been baptized. You've never been baptized. Some of you have never been baptized by immersion. Even though you know, you know it's the right thing to do. And you have all those excuses, and you fought over it with, your, with the Holy Spirit and with yourself for years and years. And the only problem with that is your excuses are no good because they're not biblical. They're, all, they're never based on one verse of Scripture. You know what it is? It's always, well, you know, I, I don't think I need to. I don't think I need to do that. Well, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, I just don't look good when I get wet. Well, none of us do. I mean, maybe one or two supermodels do, but majority of us. Where's Joyce? Jason Bourne does, I'm sure. 
Me and Tony? No. <laughs> it ain't about you looking good. It's about Jesus dying on the cross for you. It's about you being obedient. It's about repentance. True, biblical repentance. And then real, true, biblical faith in Jesus Christ. I change my mind. He's Lord. I'm not. And I'm going to show that by my actions. Let's pray. So during our invitation time today, I'll start with this question. Will you come to Jesus? Will you be saved? Would you be saved? Some of you have been hearing the gospel. Or you've heard it before. Or you just, maybe today's the first time that you ever even have thought about coming to Christ. But whatever the situation is, will you come to Christ? Will you come to Christ? Will you come to Christ? Will you be saved? Prepare the way for your heart. Let Jesus come in. Make the low places high. Tear down those mountains of pride. Humble yourself today and let Jesus save you. You say, how do I do that? Well, in a moment we're going to offer what we call a hymn of invitation. I'm going to come and stand down front. My dear brother Tony Harper is going to come and stand down front. Two pastors. And we're coming down front. We're going to lead the way because we want you to follow us. We want you to do what we've both done and s has so changed our lives. It's what, it's, what, it's what Brother Bobby talked about earlier, the very thing that changed his life. You come forward, you extend your hand, and you just say to us, I want to be saved. And we'll pray with you. You can pray to receive Jesus Christ your whole entire life can be changed today. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind about it. You thought one way about it. Think another way. And then some of you need to just come forward and be honest, or you don't even have to come forward. What you can do is take that welcome card that you filled out earlier and right below your name, under my decision today, you can check, I want to be baptized, and we'll get you scheduled. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. You change your mind and you put your faith in Christ and he'll take care of the rest. Lord, we pray that you would move during this time. Move, Holy Spirit, please. Convict our hearts and minds and help us to truly change our thoughts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.